Hello, everybody, and welcome back for the second half of the special Halloween episode with my guest, where we talk about ghosts and all things haunted and uh, ghost hunting and paranormal things and uh, all that jazz. Uh, there was a story that I forgot to tell on the, the show when we were do- having the conversation. So I'm going to tell it really quickly now. Uh, I just told it, but the recording didn't come out. So I'm going to do it again. And uh, I hope that uh, you will enjoy it. Uh, back in 2013, in the, the fall of 2013, I took a trip out to California when I was living in uh, Arizona because I wanted to see what I could do better in my business as a film composer. So I set up meetings with people in the orchestra, with other composers, and uh, uh it was a great time. And the first night I stayed at the Hollywood Historic Hotel. And then the second three nights I had scheduled time at the Cecil. Now the Cecil is, uh, I did not know at the time, but the Cecil is is very well known for being haunted and uh, having a lot of crazy activity. There was a serial killer that had stayed there. Uh, there have been several suicides. And, uh, but I didn't know any of this when I booked it. I'd never even heard of it. I think I was on, you know, one of the travel booking sites and I was just looking for inexpensive rates and, uh, stumbled across it. I think the Hollywood historic was like less expensive the first night. And then the other three were less expensive at the Cecil or whatever. So, uh, the day that I, uh, checked into the Cecil, I had gone to Newport beach. I had lunch with uh, a dear friend of mine and, uh, did a, a meeting via phone because of one of my uh, meetings had to cancel, uh, meeting physically. So we did it by phone and, uh, I walked up and down the beach and I made the mistake of walking in the soft sand. And I did not know that was a bad thing. Uh, <laughs> I sure wish I would have, cause that was a miserable night, but, uh, I thought it would be wiser. I thought it would be better on my body. It turns out it's actually so much worse to do that. Uh, cause I walked all day. I mean, just up and down the beach. And, uh, so anyway, so I, I get to the hotel and the, first of all, the parking there is just really bizarre and, and awkward. And then, uh, you go into the lobby and it's really beautiful, a, a, a very bright and well-lit and welcoming lobby. And, uh, I checked in and I go up to my, uh, floor and I think I was on like the sixth or seventh floor or something, but, uh, it's weird. I mean, it's, it's an old hotel and, the uh the rooms are in aisles and there's like uh bathrooms and showers that are out in the corridors and i'm like i really this is weird like i really hope that my room has its own bathroom um but if it didn't you know i deal with it so i i get into my room and the, the vibe in there is just really weird i mean partially i think because it's old and uh but but there's definitely a weird energy to it and you know that i mean because it's been around for so long so many people have come in and out of those rooms and the corridors and all that um but i get to my room and the window's really weird because there's no screen on it at all and uh you just kind of feel like you could just you know walk right out and you could and uh people have done that there's been a high number of suicides at that hotel so um you know, I, I check in, I'm tired, uh, I do a few things and I lay down and th- it, it was just the most miserable night because my body was just hurting. And my first thought was, this is the worst mattress I've ever slept on. And of course, it dawns on me at some point that, oh, wait a minute, my body just did something it doesn't do because I hadn't been to the beach and but once in like the last 20 years. So uh, do a little searching on the internet. And sure enough, yeah, I was it, it was me as my own fault that I'm feeling so sore and agitated. So um but but I it was still just kind of a creepy uh, place, so my uh, 
I was supposed to stay three nights. I only ended up staying two because I decided to, on the third morning that um, I was just going to head straight to Vegas after my meeting instead of staying there another night and then driving to Vegas in the morning. So I rebooked uh, my hotel in Vegas. I canceled one night there at the Cecil and uh, have my meeting, get up to Vegas, uh, get into my room at the Palace Station Hotel and uh, get my laptop out. And I'm just checking to see if there's any messages, anything that I need to respond to or any business needs. And I saw that a friend of mine had posted a video about the Cecil Hotel. Now, mind you, before I booked this trip, I'd never even heard of it. I didn't know what it was, no clue, at least not that I'm aware of. And um, this video is about uh, some girl that went missing there. And uh, so I'm checking it out and, it, and you see the footage of her in the elevator and she's, you know, she's pressing all the buttons, she's hiding, she's coming out of the elevator, then she's having a conversation, but it doesn't appear that there's anyone there. Just very, very weird stuff. And then uh, a week or so later, the residents were complaining that uh, the water tasted funny. So the maintenance crew went up to the roof where the water tanks are, and that's where they found her body inside one of the water tanks. Now, these water tanks are very tall. Uh, I don't know how she was able to get in it. Um, I don't know how she was able to get through the lock security door to get to the roof. And uh, a lot of strange stuff uh, with the behavior. And of course, there's speculation that she was on uh, medication, uh, whether she was schizophrenic or bipolar or whatever. And, um, you know, her, her activity in the elevator was certainly very bizarre. But whether that was something paranormal, something that was brought on by drugs or alcohol or uh, some sort of condition um, is really up for speculation. And uh, and how she got up on the roof, how she got in the tank, how she closed the lid herself, um, why she did it. Uh, was there somebody that was part of the staff that got her through that? Was it foul play? I mean, there's so many questions. Um, but it gets weirder. So they and of all days that he could have posted this was on the the very day that uh, I was I had stayed there, and it gets weirder because I didn't know this until my until I left for the last time. But if you if you're going towards the CISO Hotel and it's on your right, there uh, it, it's you know fairly nice old street but fairly nice. But if you go uh, further than that to the end of the hotel, that's actually where Skid Row starts. And there's some test, I think it was for tuberculosis or something that they would give to homeless people. Um, I don't remember the exact story. So forgive me on the details because it's been a while since I've read up on this. Um, But I do remember that the test that they would give them is the Lam Eliza, which is just a bizarre name for a test. I don't know why it was named that or what it means. But where it gets really weird is that this girl's name is Eliza Lam. Now, whether anything happened was paranormal, that's just a weird coincidence in and of itself. I mean, what are the chances that she would be staying right where Skid Row is? Her name is the reverse of a test that is given to... I mean, that's just a very strange, strange coincidence. But I will say, and I think they've renamed and rebranded the hotel, uh, but I don't know if if, uh, if it is haunted. I don't think they were able to kick the ghosts out because you really don't have control over that. Um but yeah, it was a really interesting experience. And uh, if you're looking for something that could be uh, potentially haunted or want to check out an old place that has some weird energies in it, I would highly suggest staying there. Um, really weird history. So uh, so feel free to research that. Uh, but I didn't get to tell that on the show because I, I had written it down and just, uh, you know, never even looked at my notes because uh, the conversation was going so well. So anyway, I'll quit babbling on. Let us bring on 
our our guest for the second half of the special Halloween episode here in 2019 on the Haskin Cast podcast. And uh, please remember to share, to uh, give likes, star ratings, follow the Haskin Cast podcast page, uh, check out the ghost photo album, check out the um, um, EVPs that I've posted on SoundCloud. All the links are down in the show notes. And uh, if you guys have any opinions, theories, I'd love to hear what you have to say. Uh, feel free to leave a note uh, in uh, on the show episode. Uh, I can get to the notes on Podbean's, uh, Podbean, iTunes, um, possibly Google Play. Uh, but definitely if you leave it in the Facebook group or if you want to email me at scott at scotthaskin.com, uh, then I will definitely get those notes there. Um, thank you guys so much for listening. And I hope that you enjoy uh, this discussion with Yevs. It's, uh, it's pretty fascinating. Sure. So, so the people that, that live their lives unfulfilled, right? They don't reach that mm-hmm. goal. They're, they just go through that day and every, everything is, you know, tomorrow is going to be better and it, and it isn't. Um, do you think that after they die, those are the people that stick around and uh, just continue oh, to like be miserable? Can, those are the con- those are the people that become the ghosts that we're all ghosts. haunted by. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, I feel like I wanted to send these people because we are all a little bit those people right sure. all of us are in one way or another occupied by something that we would rather not be doing um but and so I'll, i think it's hard to like fully all of us to fully live our life to the absolute maximum of joy though i'm sure a lot of us can get very close but i don't really know because you know i'm not always convinced that ghosts as curious as i am about them and as much as i'm out there like open to all of the ghost stories i'm not totally convinced that ghosts are the souls of humans that were once living. But um, of the stories that I've heard, a lot of people seem to believe that if ghosts are the souls of humans who had once lived, they are um, the souls of people who had a tragedy. Mm -hmm. Like maybe they were murdered or they lost somebody they really loved in a horrible way or they died in a fire or weren't ready to go and didn't realize that they had been murdered or killed in a terrible way and they're just kind of stuck in some kind of limbo. Um, I would really hate to think that we're being haunted by people who just live miserable lives. Um, but then I think if that were the case, we would all be re- we'd all be a lot more haunted than we are because uh, I think there's, well, I don't know. I don't know. There's a lot of lots of people have misery in their life so I don't know <laughs> I think it's probably more the extreme cases you know people that like you mm-hmm. said they, they had some kind of tragedy or they're you know they're concerned mm-hmm. maybe about a family member or a close friend mm-hmm. uh, I think maybe it, it, you know this is all speculative because I don't know what happens when we die exactly yeah. but I mm-hmm. think that if there were some ability to stick around and make sure that people were okay, maybe stay mm-hmm. through like a week after your death and, and get help, just be there to help people get through the grieving with your energy or whatever. I could totally understand uh-huh. that. Beyond uh-huh. that, I really don't know why you would because you can't yeah. interact. And that's got to be so miserable to mm-hmm. not be able to talk to the people that are right in front of you and not have them respond or even know that you're there. Because most people uh-huh. aren't, uh, don't seem to be as sensitive to, to that kind of energy. So I would think that that would be more horrible than, than life to be right mm-hmm. there in front of someone that you love and not be able to interact. Yikes. Yeah. 
yeah, that sounds horrible. I hope that's yeah. not what's happening. I hope. Yeah. I hope. <laughs> I hope there is an afterlife, and I hope that they are. The people who populate the afterlife are free to do what they want, and maybe sometimes, sometimes they come and observe, or sometimes you know can interact in whatever way physics will allow, or, or I don't know. I, I honestly have no idea, but uh, yeah, I hope that it's not a case of just a sad soul out there who won't move on and wants to stay with the people they left behind and and can't reach out. That that sounds very, very sad, and I hope that that's not what's happening. Yeah, I, I would agree. And classically, there's there's believed to be two types of, of uh, spiritual activity. One mm-hmm. is the residual, which is just sort of like a, a movie playing over and over where the energy just sort of manifests, does exactly what it, it does in exactly the same spot every time. Uh, mm-hmm. No one really knows how that plays back. Although they believe that sandstone has the ability to record and play back. They just haven't figured out how. Uh, when I yes. say they, I mean the general scientific community. Uh, uh-huh. And then the other type of haunting is is the, the uh, sort of conscious interactive you know, uh, mm-hmm. I don't like what you're doing, so I'm going to knock that book out of your hand and that sort of thing. Or uh-huh. just, just my way of saying hello, I'm going to do whatever I can to get your attention. Uh-huh. And uh, it's it's. I think both are very fascinating. And uh, have you been to Bambino's Pizzeria? I don't know I if have. Bambino's is still around, the one on Colorado Boulevard? I don't think it is. Oh, no, that one's been gone for a long time. There was another one on Platt somewhere. Platt and Circle, it's not there anymore either. Yeah. yeah. I worked uh-huh. at the one on Colorado Boulevard for a while with a friend of mine. And mm-hmm. he said to me one night, he goes, do you ever just see things out of the corner of your eye? And then you turn and look and there's nothing there. And I said, that happens to me all the time. And he said, mm-hmm. well, this place is haunted. And I said, really? And uh-huh. he goes, yeah, I used to come in really early and, you know, get the pizza ovens ready and clean stuff. And uh, he would have like he would put the because they had those those long uh, metal squares with the pole on them that you put the pizzas in the brick ovens. Like he would set uh-huh. those down and then they would move to the other side of the room and he would hear banging uh-huh. and stuff. And he said he was late there one night and uh, he heard, uh, well, no, I'm sorry. He heard the story from the owner. The owner was late there late one night because they had a little apartment upstairs mm-hmm. and uh, they heard all this uh, sound of partying coming from downstairs. And they're like, who the hell's in our restaurant? So they go down there and it all stops. And there was like a piano player and there's no piano in the restaurant. Wow. And so uh-huh. uh, they did some research, and apparently back in the old uh, old West times, that place used to be a brothel. Really? Yeah. And I know uh-huh. that in uh, in that part of old Colorado City, uh, there is uh, some sandstone in the area. So I don't know if that was the sandstone replaying it or, or what. Wow. But they definitely heard something, and, and that kind of coincided with, this, with my own things of just like constantly seeing something that's not there and just like turning really quick and there's no one it's like not everyone is flying by me at the speed of light you know uh-huh. uh, but, but right. I always had a really weird feeling there that's so interesting I love those stories especially when it comes to like the state the old historical spaces in old Colorado Sea and we actually um, just did a little mini um, investigation if you can call that call it that in an old building last night at really? um, Lulu's downstairs, which is, I don't know if you remember, what's it called? The Castaways restaurant in Manitou. Yeah. Like a pirate theme. Huh? Yeah. Um, that space has been abandoned for a little while. And 
um, this super cool person um, opened a music venue in the basement now. It's it, I don't know how long it's been. It's been a few months or something. Um, six months maybe? I don't know. Uh, yeah, but it's a music venue now. That, and the basement has been remodeled. It's just this really beautiful, very cool space. It kind of looks like um, uh, David Lynch maybe lives there. Um, <laughs> it's Yeah, it's just really cool. And it's definitely the second that you walk in, if you are a person who sort of gets caught up in the fancifulness of ghost stories and creepy feelings and whatnot. Like as soon as soon as I walked into that place, I was like, okay, so this place is haunted. And I right. I talked to the owner and I was like, yeah, so your your space is haunted, right? And he, and he had a bunch of stories to share and a bunch of people there have seen different stuff and heard different stuff. A lot of talk of like shadows in the corner of your eye or a light moving by in your peripheral vision really quickly. So. Um, Last night I went in. I used to vo- I used to volunteer very briefly with a paranormal investigation team in Cripple Creek. Ooh, that'd be and a great while, place. Yeah, super, super, super cool. There's so much uh, neat and weird history in Cripple Creek. Mm-hmm. And um, during that time, I acquired like a tiny little miniature ghost hunting kit. And so I brought that to Lulu's last night, and um, it was a pretty quiet night. So. I just put like an audio recording device in the green room, which seems to be a space that's kind of extra, extra vibey, I guess, or creepy. And we kind of like just sat quietly in the, well, as quiet as it can be in, in the bar. People are kind of coming in and out for drinks and stuff and sharing ghost stories about the space. And I just love that. Uh, it's so fun. <laughs> oh yeah. You know, like every, every kind of like little sound or movement we would see out of the corner of our eyes. Go with that. Did you see that? I didn't see that. What do you Well, that's what I have to wonder is how much of what we experience and see is something that's actually there versus just our anticipation of it. Like if yes. you if you go uh-huh. into an attic, attics are creepy, basements are creepy. Mm-hmm. So you kind of, you're already a little bit on edge expecting something to happen. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I, I have to wonder how much, like what percentage uh, of things that seem to happen to us are things that we just create in our own minds. And uh-huh. then the other side of that would be if you have uh, even something that maybe you're not aware of, but any telekinetic abilities, does something mm-hmm. getting thrown across the room, is that something that's really thrown across the room? Or are you doing that because you're anticipating Ooh. something to happen? Do you actually create that yourself? Uh-huh. That's so interesting. There's so many possibilities. Yeah. and So, so many. What, and there's like no way to be sure. Right, Exactly. Um, mm-hmm. what, uh, what kind of equipment did you get in your ghost hunting kit? Um, <laughs> and there's a tiny little handheld, uh, digital audio recorder. It can record up to 12 hours of sound. Um, and I just kind of place, you just place that in a room and leave alone, um, in a room that you're not going to go in. Um, I have a, a laser temperature gauge. I don't know what the term is, is for. It's one of those like you point it and you click a button and it'll give you like a digital readout of the temperature mm-hmm. of the surface that, that the laser is hitting. And you can fire it like all, you can fire it way across the room. Um, and we would use that a, a lot of times if there was a sudden spike in activity, it would almost always coincide with a temperature drop. Mm-hmm. So um, if uh, someone captured an EVP or oh, during those investigations there was usually a psychic who would travel along um, and she would ask 
questions and and sometimes we would pause after her questions to see if anything would happen and you would hear something in the distance like a, a stone fall or I don't know, a drip of water or whatever. And then everybody would like, fire their temperature gauges in that direction and see, <laughs> like, <laughs> is there a drop in temperature? Um, so we have one of those and also uh, a K2 meter, which measures EMF. Mm-hmm. Um, and so a lot of ghost hunters think that, like, if there's a surge in electromagnetic frequency, that that could be ghostly activity. And then there's other ghost hunters who say that you you might be feeling something because of electromagnetic frequency so like there's some people that are saying it's being produced by its spirit world and other people are saying well you're feeling like there is something because of this charge that's happening right and that's uh, very commonly why one of the reasons that ghost hunters will typically power down a place they'll turn it off at yeah. the fuse box if they can so that there's no yep. electromagnetic mm-hmm. uh, magnetic energy running through the place because that will obviously yep. distort things and uh, for uh-huh. those of you that are listening that are a little bit unfamiliar an EVP is electronic voice phenomenon which are uh, disembodied voices that are caught on audio and mm-hmm. uh, the EMF is the electric ma- electromagnetic field and also it's very mm-hmm. common uh, commonly believe that when you have a sudden temperature drop, that is the uh, the spirit that is trying to manifest the energy to do something, whether it's appear or move an object. They need uh, to collect the energy from something to give them, I guess, like the the power up to be able to do whatever the function is. So a lot of times batteries will run low. Um, mm-hmm. The temperature drops because they're, they're just kind of taking up everything that's in the area as, as they manifest. Um, that I, I would say I would believe in because it seems very consistent from group to group and things that I've experienced um, a lot mm-hmm. of temperature drops with the things that have happened to me in my life as well. So I would uh-huh. I would say that that's something that is probably true. Wow. That's so cool. Do, um, do you have any stories that you want to share? Any I ghost stories? do. But did you did you catch anything at, while you were there last night? Or you probably haven't listened back yet because 12 hours of audio is a lot. <laughs> Well, I didn't take 12 hours. Um, I thought of leaving it, leaving it there overnight. Um, and then I thought, well, am I going to sit and listen to 12 hours of audio? Maybe not. <laughs> yeah. um, <laughs> so I did take an hour of audio. I have not listened to it yet, but I will. I actually did set my phone, um, like a couple weeks ago, um, set my phone on record and left it on the stage in the venue area of the space and took about... Um, 15 minutes of audio that I did come back and listen to and I listened to it at different speeds I listened to it at regular the speed that that we hear um, in a room and then I listened to it sped up and then I listened to it slowed down and there was nothing um, at everyday speed there was nothing at um, when it was sped up but in the slow-mo there was like this high-pitched screech in the background and I don't know what that could have been um but there, there was that. I don't, it could be any. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, it didn't it didn't appear in any other of the formats. Um, so there was that. But uh, I, and like I said, I haven't listened to the audio yet. Of like maybe forty five minutes or an hour of it. But we did see um, there were we saw no temperature drops. Um, a tiny spike in EMF in the green room, like just super brief. It like flashed and went away, and I don't know what that was. And we were just like, kind of like, oh, okay, so there was that. Um, <laughs> and uh, all of us saw some 
you know, something quickly move in our peripheral vision throughout the night while we were there, like that happened to each of us. And the lights were flickering a couple of times, but it's an old, old building. Part of the problem is that um, it's, it's hard to say something is concrete evidence. Right. It's like you find this stuff and you just, you're like, okay, so there's that, but what does it mean? You know? Right. Yeah. I mean, take the squeak that you caught on your audio recorder. That could have Mm -hmm. been so many different things, but of course Mm -hmm. the the fact that you're trying to find something, the hope is that it Mm -hmm. it is, but what do you do with it? You can't, you can't really eliminate the possibility. You don't know where it came from. You don't know, Uh you know, the distance of it, what direction. Um, Right. That's the frustrating part. Uh Uh-huh. Yep, and you want it so badly to be something interesting, so your curiosity is completely heightened, and like seventy-five percent of you is like, "Ooh, this is cool," you right, know, and yeah. <laughs> and then there's like reality, which is probably who knows, it could have been anything. Well, on the last episode of the podcast, um, it was uh, again we're recording this obviously well before Halloween, but uh, the episode that comes out right before this one is my. Uh, review of the uh, Sedona UFO tour that I took with Michael and mm-hmm. you know everything that you're you're seeing through these night vision goggles you're seeing things race across the sky and you're like oh that's a UFO and you want it to be extraterrestrial uh-huh. you want to interact with them you want them to come down uh-huh. and go hey you're watching us what's up but you also don't at the same time because <laughs> that's a whole uh-huh. nother can of worms but you right. want something concrete and that's that's the hardest thing about anything in the paranormal realm is it's really hard to come up with anything that doesn't have another mm-hmm. possible explanation. Right. Right. And that's why ghosts remain a theory and there's so many people who who don't believe because um, there is no there is no at least not that I have experienced but I'm sure maybe there are people out there who have had very real experiences. Um, I, I have not. Um, but yeah. It just, there's no solid proof of what it all can be. It just remains this super compelling mystery. Right. Well, I have had some things happen that I literally cannot find another explanation for. Um, mm-hmm. I was working in uh, Tempe, Arizona at an office building, mm-hmm. and I had the uh, the late duty. So I was there until I think like 7 o'clock at night. And one night, it was around this time of year, too, because it was dark uh, in the evening, and all the office lights were off, but we had these uh, mm-hmm. under the, the uh, cupboard desk lights, and that was the only thing mm-hmm. I had on in the office. And uh, mm-hmm. I don't know how I was going to turn that off and get all the way to the door without, <laughs> without banging into something, but I'm sitting there, and it was past the time I was supposed to go home, but I was trying to finish something up, and I heard, I, I felt something at my right ear and uh-huh. I just heard a whisper that said, Scotty. And no one at work wow. called me that. Everybody called me Scott. And typically only mm-hmm. like my family and some close friends would call me Scotty. And it was just mm-hmm. a whisper, but it didn't seem to come from outside. It was almost like it was in my head, which was uh-huh. probably the creepiest thing. And at that part, I said, I'll finish this tomorrow. And <laughs> I just left. <laughs> But there was uh-huh. no one there. I mean, I know for a fact that no mm-hmm. one was there. And we mm-hmm. had secure uh, locked doors that you had to put a card on so you would hear the beep. And mm-hmm. uh, I, I have no explanation for that at all. Yeah. Yeah, that's... But I've had a similar experience to that. And I, I know exactly what you're talking about. And, and, you know, when those things happen, you kind of dismiss them immediately. Like, ah, it was just in my head. But um, I... I, I can't help but wonder if 
you know when you you fall asleep and you dream and all those experiences that you're having in your dream is just kind of like well, one explanation is is that your brain is just firing and um, there's your thoughts are just running wildly instead of being channeled through whatever you're doing or your communication or tasks fulfilling or whatever and I can't help but wonder if because that's happened to me before too where I've been somewhere um, and I've felt a little bit of a um, a heightened sense of um, utter like awareness of the room where you're kind of on alert because whether you're feeling a little bit scared or something and um, hearing my name as Pauline as B being said but I feel like it was in my head and I can't I can't help but wonder if it's just sometimes your brain behaves as if the same way it does when you're dreaming but you're awake and I, I don't know I don't, some of those firings I, I don't know how to verbalize what I'm thinking but I can't it's hard to say that that is a paranormal occurrence mm-hmm. you, you can't explain it um, but that that's, that's happened to me before as well and I've like my first thought is it was a ghost it was talking to me right. and then my second thought is it was my brain I did that to myself it's like, <laughs> right. I, you know it just it's really hard to, you can't explain it as you said but it's hard to like concretely say that it's a paranormal event right because if it was something that I created or, or manifested somehow mm-hmm. I have no idea how I did it so I can't recreate that as an experiment and say oh okay here's mm-hmm. how I got that result Whereas, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I used to love the, the show Ghost Hunters because they would they would catch something and then they would go back and experiment with it and try to say, is this something we can recreate? Is it something that could have been uh-huh. the wind, could have been this or that? And they they yeah. actually debunked a lot of the stuff that they caught. Where, uh-huh. where I fell short with them is that I think a lot of the stuff that they caught, I, I feel like they manufactured some of it. Uh-huh, yeah. I kind of wondered that as well, yeah. It was, I think, the the Eastern State Penitentiary footage that was on, I think, season one or season two. And mm-hmm. um, it was, they, they had the camera on this, this corridor on like the second level. And it's literally like just a, a foot and a half across uh, that you have between the rail and the, the cells. And you mm-hmm. see something sort of materialized from the ground up. And then it just takes off running. Now, mm-hmm. I thought about a couple of things I don't think it actually manifested from the ground up I actually think that was somebody in black covering walking backwards and making it look like it was manifesting Mm -hmm. because it was coming from a distance now the room is dark so these are Uh our night vision cameras that they're using and I really don't think that it was something rising up I think it was somebody walking backwards and that, and then when it moved forward, I could be wrong, but I swear to God, uh-huh. I saw a foot, like an, an actual foot outside of the black cloak. So uh-huh. if I'm right, then I have to call mm-hmm. shenanigans on the whole show. Because once you do that <laughs> once, you know, and they catch uh-huh. something like almost every time. And that's so rare in reality. Yeah, right. Right. That's what, that's what, that was my issue. Like you can go on a million investigations and find nothing. But they're finding something every single time and they are in the business of entertaining you know they're generating yeah. revenue because they are entertaining people and they're garnering a following because they are coming up with all of this you know activity that they're capturing so it's kind of easy to sort of think well they're probably just trying to entertain us 
And I think if I look at shows like that in the perspective of, let's say, world wrestling entertainment, where mm-hmm. you know that the <laughs> matches are are staged, even though people really do uh-huh. get hurt. I mean, there's no doubt about that. But the, yeah. the outcomes are staged. Um, the whole thing's plotted out. It's a soap opera. If I look at it mm-hmm. through those terms, then I can come to terms with, with whatever they do on those shows. I think the approach uh-huh. that I had and with them is specifically I was so excited about was that they were coming to it from a place of scientific research. They weren't yeah. jumping to it's a ghost. They're like, let's verify before we do anything. Um, uh-huh. And then if, if they are pulling the wool over other people's eyes and some of the old people that have been on the show have come out and said, yeah, I was told to do this. I was told to do that. This was faked and whatever. Uh-huh. Um, but I take yeah. everything with a grain of salt. But if, if that uh-huh. is true, then it really disappoints me because I don't want that to, to be entertainment. I want that to be, let's do a real research uh, experiment here and see what we get. Yeah, I'm with you 100%. I, I appreciate the storytelling aspect of it. And it's kind of cool that it keeps this sort of vibe of mystery alive. And um, it, it's so compelling and interesting to watch the part of you is aware that's probably fake, but it does sort of instill mystery, mm-hmm. um, which I appreciate. But you're right; I, I do wish that there were. It was more interesting to watch um, a group of scientists study this stuff, and you know it, that that would be much less compelling compelling television because they would, as you said, would come up with tons of empty nights of no activity and right. <laughs> and yeah. everything they did find they would probably debunk so it would be like a constant stream of disappointment um, but but yet that would be way more interesting for those of us who are really interested in the story behind all of this activity because almost everybody I know has a ghost story there's very few people that I've asked it's always like one of the first questions I'll ask a person when I get to meet them um, and almost everybody there are, you know, there's a handful of people that are like, I don't believe in ghosts, but one time a thing happens, you know, but most people do have a story. Yeah. I, I wonder if part of it is that they don't want to believe that there's another plane of existence that so scrapes ours and that sometimes crosses over and interacts with us. I think for most people, that's probably a fairly mm-hmm. unsettling idea. And so if mm-hmm. you don't want to believe something exists, the easiest thing to do is just pretend it doesn't. Ooh, that's compelling. Why do you think people would want to <laughs> would want to not believe because of what it could potentially mean if it were true? Or I think that well, possibly. I think that people want to know that they have control over a hundred percent of their environment. And uh-huh. if there's something that you know, you look at look at Poltergeist regarded movies, and I'm not talking about the movie Poltergeist because that was obviously uh, very Hollywood. But think about Mm -hmm. a movie like The Entity uh, that starred Barbara Hershey, which was based on a true case in Texas. Now, I know that they took a lot of liberties. The whole scene in the lab where they caught the ghost in in the, you know, by freezing it, that never happened. But the the idea of being raped or beaten or attacked by something that you can't fight, that's kind of terrifying because you have, you're just a victim all the time. I think Mm -hmm. that's where people. Want, and, and they don't want to feel watched. They want to feel like they're alone and safe and secure in their homes. Uh-huh. I, I could see a reason for not wanting to believe in it. But I'm to me, uh-huh. I'm more of the realist. If if there's something there, there's something there. And I can either come to terms with that or not. Uh-huh. That's so interesting. 
But if I say it doesn't exist and there's proof that it exists, Mm -hmm. it's kind of like I know I'm lying to myself. So does my subconscious really Uh believe it or not? Right. Now, it'll be really telltale. It's a lot to think about. It is. Um, I think it'll be really telltale in about 10 years or so when people start taking ghost photos and everybody's got their neck bent over looking at their cell phone as a ghost. Then we'll know what generation (laughs) they were from Uh, because that's going to happen at some point. Uh, but uh-huh. <laughs> but I think it's I think it's an interesting um, experiment with the human psyche to see what people want to believe mm-hmm. in and what people don't. And on the last yeah. show, I talked with Michael about that about uh, people that believe in aliens and UFOs. And it's it's so mm-hmm. weird to me to think that we're such a tiny little dot in our one galaxy out of billions of galaxies that we're the only physical beings, uh, other than yeah. you know amoebas and, and bacteria and things. I can't uh-huh. imagine that's even possible. Right. Well, wouldn't it be weird if it was? Like, I believe, yeah. I'm I'm with you. I think that it's impossible that we're the only things out here living lives. But what if we are? Isn't that crazy? It like, what be. if out of billions and billions of universes, we really are the only lives? That's insane. That's harder to believe. It is. And I would say, what's the point? <laughs> right. Well, that almost, that almost kind of makes you think that maybe there is a point for a lot of us who kind of think ah what's the point um well the point might be that you are the you know you are a piece of the only living collective in the universe and i mean that in and of itself is a pretty amazing yeah it it would be but i don't i don't want i mean here i go now contradicting myself i don't want that to be the truth i want to believe that there are other other beings and races and we're all yes. creating our own things and doing things differently right. and maybe someday we'll all sync up and uh, hopefully, hopefully mm-hmm. can get along um, yeah I you know <laughs> in this world of plastic vomit and uh, you know all these things that we have it just seems like if if we're the representation of the entire universe we could have done so much better <laughs> because we have plastic vomit that you can buy it for a few dollars yeah, yeah that's pretty funny rubber chickens and whatever right. you know, seems like we could have done so many more fruitful things with our time <laughs> uh have you ever uh have you ever ca- did you capture uh an, an evp at any time at any of these investigations you've been on i have never captured an evp um but i have been on investigations where other people have captured evps okay it's, it's like it's almost like every time i'm i'm always showing up late to the party like you know, there'll be a ton of activity after I leave or um, right before I showed up or I'll leave a room and then someone will get an EDT. And for a, wh- a while, I was wondering, um, I, this, I, I still don't know what I, how I believe or where I know that there is, I'm convinced 100% that there is something out there. I just don't know what it is because I've seen and heard too many strange things that I can't explain. But, um, but also that other people couldn't explain to me that would that would know how to explain it to me. Um, so I know that there's something that exists. I just don't know if it is a ghost, if it's an other dimension that's kind of overlapping ours, and sometimes it seeps through, or time folds over on itself. Or I mean, there's so many that, that there's a thing that exists that we can't experience sensory because um, we don't have the sense organ to. Um, 
you know, scented and it kind of bumps up against the things that we can hear or see or smell. I don't know. Um, there's like it's a million or it's people from the future coming back. I don't know. There's aliens. There's so many different things. I don't know what there are, but I know that something does exist. But for some reason, like on all the investigations that I'd been on, um, it would always seem to kind of dissipate when I was around. So I kind of wondered if like when I was really little, um, um, I was very close to my great grandma, I was told. Um, but she died when I was very young. I don't remember a whole lot about her. But when I was very, very, very tiny, um, I remember uh, my grandparents telling me how close I was to her, and I couldn't remember her. So I went up into a room in our my grandma's house, which was like one of the scariest. Her house is very scary. I still think about some of the like scariest moments of my life have been in my grandma's house. It's just a kind of a scary house. But anyway, um, so I went to the scariest room in the house, and kind of called out to my great grandma's spirit and I was like if you're out there and you want to say hello to me um I will listen I will I will be open to that and so and I just kind of laid under in bed under these blankets waiting for the spirit of my great grandma to make contact with me <laughs> and um as I as I was waiting the bedroom door that I was in opened and it scared the shit out of me so sure. I was like I jumped up on my bed and said, never mind. I I screamed like, never mind. And like jumped off the bed, ran downstairs where my family, like it scared me so badly. Um, But part of me now as an adult, there could have been a cat that walked in the room. I also need to say that we had a lot of cats. So a cat could have just walked through the door and because of the angle I was at when I was laying down, I I couldn't see the floor. or it could be the wind. It could have been the wind, or it could have been my great grandma's spirit. I don't know, but I, part of me wonders if I was so I was so scared by that event, and if there is a spirit world, and if my great grandma was there and she saw how terrified I was, <laughs> that maybe I've somehow been like in a way protected by mm-hmm. these things because I haven't been. I haven't. I haven't seen any ghosts. I haven't captured any EVPs. I have witnessed extreme temperature drops in a room when we've heard sounds off in the distance um i've never seen anything move by itself i haven't i haven't captured anything on video that i couldn't explain but i have seen i've been on investigations where other people have they've caught they've caught evps and they've caught video and um so i don't know I, i sometimes wonder if some people are a little bit more open for whatever reason to these occurrences and other people are shut out for one reason or another well, I think that it, it's probably something internal, I would imagine. Maybe there's some part of you that wants to see it, but you're kind of still affected by that experience, and there's some part of you mm-hmm. that's closed off to it. I, I'm not sure. I know that um, yeah. when uh, when things have happened around me, and my family's actually got quite a history of paranormal experiences. And mm-hmm. like uh, my grandfather, my great-grandfather was hurt in the war, and his leg got hurt. So he kind of had a, a strange walk after World War One. He would like step mm-hmm. and then slide his other foot and then step and slide. So he had a very distinctive walk. And uh-huh. after his passing, um, I, this, this my mom told me the story years ago. Um, they were all playing cards downstairs and they heard up in the attic, step, slide, step, slide. And that's the kind of stuff where I go, okay, if you have a very specific sound that's attached to something that's known, then mm-hmm. I have to say, now I think you have something interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, that's harder to dismiss than 
you know, mm -hmm. okay, the door slammed because it could be so many things. I've had that happen. Yeah. Um, but I mm -hmm. guess it all like it all depends on how I feel. Like if I hear something slam and the hairs on my neck stand up versus they don't, then uh -huh. I feel more inclined to believe that there's that I'm not alone. Yeah. You know, um, mm -hmm. I did catch an EVP when I was living in an apartment in Broomfield, Colorado. I was recording a vocal uh -huh. track. And when I went to listen back to the track, I saw that there was a little bump in the audio. And I'm like, what's uh -huh. that? Because that's not where I was singing. And that's where uh -huh. I would just stand there, listen to the song and wait for the next part. And there was a, a whisper that came on. Uh -huh. And I cannot say for sure what it said. It did not uh -huh. sound like the same whisper that I experienced. And in that office in Arizona, that would have been the year before uh, this uh -huh. EVP that I caught in Colorado. And mm -hmm. it just, it sounded like it said, something lies waiting for you. Not the word something, the, the, the first word is kind of indiscernible, but it says lies uh -huh. waiting for you. And wow. I, to this day, I have no idea. I was hoping it was huh. like a big pile of money or Debbie Gibson or, you know, something that I would have wanted. Uh, I have right. no idea. So it's not really as helpful. But that was that was one. The only time I think that I've caught an EVP with all the recording I've done, which is really interesting. It seems like I would have wow. gotten something more with the hours of podcasting and vocal recording and things. Right. Um, but I have had when I was on set in uh, Phoenix, this one mm -hmm. uh, film, I was on set for a month. And every time this one girl took a picture of me, my face would be the only thing that was blurry in the picture. Really? And it really freaked me out. Was this around the time that you captured the EVP or these are all separated by chunks of time? Uh, no, this was years later. Wow. Yeah. Wow, that's really interesting. And it, no matter who took pi uh, uh, pictures on set, they were all fine except mm -hmm. for this one girl who would, everywhere we went, she would just be taking pictures and anyone I was in, my face would be blurry. And it, it at first it was kind of funny and then it started to get like, is this one of those things where I'm in the movie that says this is the next person who's going to die or, you know, right. you know how can you <laughs> that not, is where your mind goes? <laughs> well, yeah. Like how could you not freak out? But I don't have any explanation uh -huh. for that because it wasn't the, 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 um, the settings were different for every photo. They would be different parts of the uh -huh. room, different times of the day or night, different locations. Uh -huh. And, and still to this day, that freaks me out because I don't know why wow. that would have been. And I've talked to photographers yeah. and I said, you know, can you come up with any, anything? I don't care if it's a stretch of the imagination. Give me something. And they're like, I don't know why that would have happened. But now I'm, mm -hmm. I'm really freaked out to take pictures or video of myself because I, uh -huh. if I start getting that result, that's going to be a little too much for me. So there are not a lot of pictures right. that I take of me for that very reason. Uh -huh. Wow. That's super interesting. I wonder what's going on. I'm trying to remember when this was. This probably would have been 2005, 2006, somewhere in there maybe. And it was in the wintertime. I was at my friend's apartment and her daughter and, uh, and her daughter's baby were there. And they were just sitting on the floor. And I took a picture of the daughter and the daughter's baby. And mm -hmm. next to them appeared a smoky looking apparition from about the waist up and mm -hmm. it honestly looks like it was posing for the photo you know like the when the models do that thing where they put their their palm behind their head and they've got their elbow out in the air and then they they make a right. face or whatever it almost looked uh -huh. like that and i'll post i'll have to find that photo and i'll post it to facebook uh, i'll make an album uh -huh. like a paranormal album and i'll post it to that but now 
the the one thing I have to say is that this was back when I was smoking cigarettes, and but mm-hmm. I don't I, I know for a fact at the time I took the picture I did not have a cigarette in my hand there wouldn't have been anything in front of me that would mm-hmm. have caused uh, that to appear at that time none of us saw anything mm-hmm. I don't recall feeling anything but sometimes mm-hmm. when you're with people and you're having a good time you don't sense like your senses are not on alert so you don't sense the things right. that are around you. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, that was definitely one one of the more interesting things that's happened to me along the way. Wow. I think I remember you sharing that story. That That's really super, super interesting. I wonder if she... This is also compelling to me, but I, I don't have any answers. I don't know if anybody has any answers. And that's what that's what keeps you going, wanting more, more stories and collecting more incidents right. and putting yourself in situations where you can hopefully... I don't know, be given something that might offer some answers. You know, now that you, um, after listening to you, I I had, I think it was a possible EDP um, okay. where um, I had this, well, I still, I have this hobby where I like to um, record bird song in, uh, in slow-mo and listen, and listen to them um, kind of like but, you know, kind of mess with the sound of birdsong because it's it's so, so interesting to listen to, like, crows in slow-mo or a hummingbird in slow-mo. And so I became obsessed with this over um, the summer last year. And I saw, I was driving by an old cemetery on 26th Street and Cimarron. I don't know if you remember it. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And I saw this tree filled with birds. So I, like, pulled over got out of my car, ran up to this tree, and there's just tons of, like, hundreds of these tiny little birds singing and flying in and out of the tree. So I hold my recording device up to the tree, trying to capture all of that bird song in slow-mo. And then I drive home and listen to it on my way home. Um, and it, you can hear all... I should send that to you. I'm actually surprised I didn't send it to you, because when I got it, I sent it to a bunch of people who have sound equipment to kind of help me isolate mm-hmm. what I thought maybe was an EDP. Okay. Um, so I, did I, did I send that to you? No, or I, you didn't, uh, but I'd love no, to check it no. out. I should, I should send it to you. Yeah. So I'm listening to all of these bird song and it, and they were like very high pitched little, I don't know what these birds were at the time. I would probably be able to recognize them now, but at the time I wasn't really into like studying birds. Um, I just like their song and they, they had these very high pitched squeaks. So on slow-mo, it was like much slower and um, a lower cadence um, and just like very beautiful and watery. So I'm listening to this and I'm thinking, wow, this sounds amazing. It's gorgeous. And somewhere in the background is the sound of uh, what what sounds like a man's voice at speaking speed, like the rate at which I am speaking, um, just perfectly plain as day. I think he says hello. And then a couple of seconds later you hear what sounds like a man hum hum like a little bar and and it's so different from all of the other sound that's happening because it's not it's not slowed down it sounds as though it's happening in real time um and it and it's so clear and (laughs) and it could be another bird it's a random bird that when they use when you slow their squeak down their song down it 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 is at our rate of speech or uh, I, I don't know but it definitely I took pause <clears throat> I was like holy cow is that an EVP and then it all of a sudden occurred to me that I was standing in a cemetery 
um, kind of with my phone held up to this tree over some graves. And so that might be an EVP. I'm not quite sure. I should send it to you, though, and you can let me know what you think. Yeah, please do. Would you be okay with me posting it to my SoundCloud? Oh, yeah. Oh, of good. course. I, actually, it's, it might be on SoundCloud already. Yeah, you can do whatever you want with it. I have uh, I have an EVP up there now that a friend of mine, uh, a friend of my friends caught and they asked me to uh, do some cleanup work on it. And it's, it was uh-huh. taken in a car and it's definitely out of context of the conversation. Uh-huh. So it, that one's pretty interesting. Um, I'll post mine up there too. I'll have to find the file. I know I still have it. Um, but yeah, that's mm-hmm. fascinating. And, and I actually have a theory about cemeteries. Um, mm-hmm. You know, most of the trees in cemeteries, at least the ones that I've seen, they don't grow nicely. They grow sort of knotted and crooked. And, yeah. you know, I think that there's so much sorrow in a cemetery because people don't go there to be happy. They go to there to grieve, to talk to a loved one mm-hmm. who's passed. And I think it's because there's so much of just that sorrowful, sorrowful energy in the mm-hmm. area that it affects the, how the trees grow. Mm-hmm. I yeah. could be wrong. But that's that's a thought I've had over the years. There's definitely, I believe, something to that. I studied herbalism for a little while a couple of years ago, and I went to Ireland to take um, a course with a wonderful herbalist who walked us through these like very old forests, and we would spend a lot of time with trees. And um, when we were there, the, the the hawthorn trees were producing like enormous amounts of hawthorn berries like they were just heavy with hawthorn berries and um our teacher said that um that this was a result of the world being particularly heavy at that time it was right after the election and there was like at least in our country a big spike of like sorrow um and and she said in her experience as uh one who studies medicinal plants that the plants will produce, they feel the earth's pain and will produce what you need. And hawthorn is um, used for heart health. It's used to soothe your heart, to create a happy heart. And um, the hawthorn berries were just like, the hawthorn trees were just heavy with berries. And she believed it was because the trees could send um, Oh, there were a lot of heavy hearts at that time. And so they're producing medicine for us that we might need. And so I think that you might be right. I, I I do think that energetically plants and trees can can feel or pick up on that kind of whatever energy we're putting out there. And I mean, it comes through. The, I, I don't know. That's like, <laughs> I believe you. That's yeah. what I'm trying to say. Well, I, yeah. you know, I, I don't know if you've seen the uh, the water experiments that uh, I think I think his name is pronounced oh, yeah. Saramoto. Uh, I did uh-huh. a similar experiment with sea monkey tanks where I uh, took the, the, you know, used the same water. I fed them at the same times. I put them right next to each other so there was no temperature mm-hmm. difference, no lighting difference. And I, I put a sticker that said love and gratitude on one of them. And I was smiley and uh-huh. very happy. And the other ones I did not treat badly like they did with the water. Uh-huh. I just was supportive but not over exuberantly loving. And uh-huh. I will say that the the tank that I had that I was more supportive of, I had more adults. They lived a lot longer and uh, uh-huh. it was far more successful. Now, granted, they wow. were two different packets of eggs and that's the really the only variable um, because right. that's out of my control. But I did notice mm-hmm. a, a, quite a difference in the growth and the success of the two tanks. 
And so uh -huh. I definitely think that, uh, you know, and that's why they used to say, talk to your plants, sing to your plants, water them naked, uh -huh. because that energy then transfers and it's part of what yeah. helps them, you know, just like if you were surrounded by crusty, angry people all the time, you're uh -huh. not going to be very happy. You're, you're going to, yeah, you're not going to thrive. Right. You, you will feel that. <laughs> yeah. And that's why people like, uh, puppies and cats and babies and things like that, because it makes mm -hmm. them smile. It makes their heart lighter. It makes them feel good. And then they uh -huh. go and continue to grow better and, and do better as well. So I think mm -hmm. there's something to that theory, the science of it. I don't know, but I think mm -hmm. there's something to it. Yeah. I agree with you. Yeah, it's it's such a fascinating topic. Um, what was I going to say? Um, they, uh, I had a ghost. Um, we lived in, um, I can't remember the, the exact area, but it was somewhere in southern Colorado Springs off to the west in a townhome, a three-story townhome. And uh, I worked at 7-Eleven in Briargate at the time, and I worked graveyard shifts. So when you work graveyard shifts, the best thing you can mm -hmm. do on your nights off is keep that schedule. Because if you don't, you're just messed up all the time for sleep. Right. <laughs> and this yes. is back to give you a time frame. So this would have been, I think, 91, late into mm -hmm. like the early, early winter of 91. And mm -hmm. uh, this was when the lotto was up to, I think it was 26 or $27 million, which at the time was huge. It was like the biggest one ever. And mm -hmm. uh, the people that I lived with, I won't say their names, but the people, one of the people that I lived with at the time said, uh, I'm going to get a Ouija board and get the numbers. That's how I'm going to win. Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, well, just don't do it around me. So when I would uh -huh. come home, if they were on the board, the board would stop talking. And huh. I've had only one other experience with Ouija boards. I know other people that have had extreme experiences with them. Um, the one that I had was a little bit unsettling, but uh, so it would stop talking when I came home or when I came into the room. Now the bedrooms were upstairs. The main uh, level was like the, the dining area, living room and kitchen. And then the basement was an office where one of the people had, you know, that's where they set up their office and they worked late sometimes. So mm -hmm. it's on my night off. Everyone else is asleep. It's about 2.30 in the morning, and I come downstairs to get a glass of milk. And the basement door uh, to where the office was, you could, I could see that it was closed. There was no light on because I, I was worried that I was maybe disturbing somebody. So I noticed that the light was off. And I go mm -hmm. into the kitchen, and I get the milk. And as I start coming out of the kitchen, the basement door is open, but it's open towards me. So I can't see around the door to see what's going on in the basement or in the, on the landing. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I thought, well, that's weird. I didn't hear anybody come down. And as I came around the corner, I saw a white mass just there on the landing of the staircase. Not moving, just, just hovering? The, yeah, or? just sort of there. And mm -hmm. I couldn't discern any features, like no facial features, no eyes, no mouth, no arms, no nothing. It was just sort of like just a mass of white. It wasn't glowing, mm -hmm. but even in the dark, I could I could see it very clearly. Um, uh -huh. And I froze. I mean, what do you do? That's so unexpected. Right. And mm -hmm. so I've just, I'm sure that my mouth was gaping open. I've got my milk in one hand and I don't know what my other hand was doing, but I just <laughs> stood there in complete shock and my brain's going... Uh -huh get out of here and <laughs> part of me is like yeah. <laughs> keep looking at it see if you can learn something and uh, uh -huh. but of course my body at the end of the day just wasn't going to do anything and then uh, it just bolted down the stairs and that was the last I saw of it 
And wow. uh, I stood there for another minute and uh, and then I just <laughs> closed the door gently and quietly. And then I went upstairs uh-huh. and uh, I didn't know what to do, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but leading up to that, um, with mm-hmm. when they brought the Ouija board in, I would come home from work. They would already be gone. And I would come mm-hmm. home from work and I would put my, my coat on the chair and then I would put like my notebook on the bed and I would turn around and my coat would be on the windowsill and my book would be in the hallway. And um, I, I started to get used to it to the point where mm-hmm. I would come home and say, hey, I'm really tired. I'll play with you later. Let me just sleep for a couple of hours or whatever. And then we could play and it would leave me alone. Um, mm-hmm. I would take uh, like a hot shower, but there would be no steam on the mirror. I would mm-hmm. uh, sometimes when I took a shower, the doors would be open when I was the only one mm-hmm. home and I closed them to keep the heat in. Uh, um, yeah. And uh, like little things like that would just happen. So my girlfriend stayed with me over uh, Christmas break, which was before I saw it. And mm-hmm. she brought her hamster with her and her hamster would just stare in one direction and it would lay in its wheel, which it never did. It would never go into the mm-hmm. wheel unless it wanted to run. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just weird stuff. And of course, animals, especially smaller animals like dogs, cats, snakes, uh, hamsters, things like that are typically uh, really perceptive to that kind of activity. They'll really react. Uh-huh. To it. And so it was really odd behavior for the whole time that she stayed with me. And then when she took it home, it just went and resumed its normal because um, she was going to Colorado College and they shut uh-huh. down over Christmas break. So she stayed with me over Christmas break and uh-huh. um, or maybe it was Thanksgiving. It was Thanksgiving. And um, so as soon as she gets home, the hamster returns to its normal activity. No more staring in one direction, no more laying in the wheel, just like nothing ever happened. So it definitely was a change that that happened in my environment, and Uh uh, which could be chalked up to the fact that it just was an unfamiliar surroundings. It didn't know what to do. It wasn't comfortable or it noticed something else that agitated it. Right. Do you know anything about the history of the building you were in or the the land that it was built on? I don't. And I've wanted to research that. It's been one of those things that's on my list for years. Uh, Mm -hmm. I would love to find out more about it because it's uh, it's it's something that, you know, obviously I've never forgotten it. And I was probably what I was 19 or yeah, I think I was 19 at the time, 19 or 20. And um, Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, that you just don't forget something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's you have some really amazing experiences mm-hmm. with regarding the paranormal. Surprised that you haven't started your own ghost hunting group. I thought about it. I've at least wanted to mm-hmm. join other ghost hunting groups, but where do I mm-hmm. find the time? You know, it's it's a matter yeah. of things that I'm interested in versus person. things that are priority. Mm-hmm. You know, I would love to at least go out yeah. once, though. Go somewhere really cool and go on an investigation and and just yeah. uh, you know. I, to rely on my senses, I think, more than the equipment, though. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think I, one thing I did learn in um, my brief time with the investigation was that stuff, there used to always be a, a spike in activity when um, the psychic would come. There was a psychic who the team paid to arrive and she would, you know, facilitate um, questions and sort of just. I, there always seemed to be a spike in activity when she was there, and I, I feel like you have maybe some sort of. I, I'm not sure if it's your, if it's your energy or just who you are, but you are prone to having these kinds of experiences. So, you would probably be the person on the team who would, who there would be a spike in activity once you showed up. So, right. <laughs> you you yeah. should probably look into 
organizing something and get out there with some people and see what you can find. I would love to do that. Of course, I would love to do it with mm-hmm. a thermal camp. That's like the, the uh, ultimate yeah. tool of a ghost hunter. A flare, yeah. There is one other thing that's happened to me that I find interesting, but I honestly think, and as bizarre as the explanation is, I think I have an explanation for it. Um, uh-huh. When I, I, I first really noticed this more so when I was living in California and I knew that I wasn't going to stay in California. I wasn't happy with what was going on with my career. And the reason that I moved out there was to boost my uh, career as a film composer. Um, but uh-huh. I wasn't connecting with the things. I wasn't happy with what I was seeing as far as my uh, view of Hollywood and that. And uh, mm-hmm. I was very stressed because I was running out of money. I had X amount of months on my lease and I couldn't get out of it. And eventually mm-hmm. I found a way. But uh, what I noticed was I, my bed would just start shaking almost violently at points and I was sure that my apartment was haunted and I'm like well here I go again I've moved to this new place whatever it is has either followed me or I've connected with something here because I've had Uh that happen where like my chair will shake or I'll feel something on my shoulder Um, Uh I have been touched many times but this was different I mean I've never had my bed just shake like this and Uh uh, it was an air mattress like a a full size air mattress and Uh um it was it was just the weirdest thing. So I would just like lay there and just try to stay calm, and then eventually it would it would stop. So I I moved to Vegas and everything's fine. It doesn't happen. I'm like, okay, great. I got rid of it. And then uh, the money from uh, one of my projects just you know slowed down because as as an artist, you release a project, you get a spike in income, and then it dwindles until your next project. Um, mm-hmm. Things were slowing down. I couldn't find supplemental work. I was getting very very stressed, and it mm-hmm. started up again. And what mm-hmm. I've come to believe is that I was actually doing that. Now, I'm not saying that I have a telekinetic ability, but maybe I've mm-hmm. tapped into something that in moments of stress kind of unleashes a little bit. Not uh-huh. sort of like fire starter, <laughs> you know, or anything right. like that. But mm-hmm. but kind of that, that same thing where stress induces some sort of physical manifestation around me. And I've noticed mm-hmm. since... If I'm like, if I get, uh, you know, I, I go to uh, post for a project or whatever, or I get somebody that's mm-hmm. not understanding something and they're being very combative, I notice that my chair starts to shake a little bit. Huh. And since it's been so consistent with a certain sort of uh, general response type or, or general uh-huh. um, influencer, I have to wonder mm-hmm. if that isn't the answer. That's so curious. I've never heard of anyone experiencing that before have you done a lot of research in terms of like telekinetic powers and abilities has has there any has there been any i'm surely there has been some scientific study of yeah i'm sure there has and i have not Uh but for but because i think that that's one of those things that if you if you're going to ask the question you have Mm -hmm. to be ready to hear the answer whatever Uh it is and I'm not sure I'm yeah. ready yet. You're ready to know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I kind of, I'm really back and forth on it. There's enough curiosity in me to want to explore it. But at the same uh-huh. point, um, I don't think I'm I'm ready to know if it's the case that I can do that. Uh-huh. I think it's just not the right time. So I've kind of put that on the back burner. And it stopped. I yeah. mean, since, you know, obviously I've, I'm surviving, things are going well now. But uh-huh. It was a pretty rough period. And this got me to thinking about a theory I had a long time ago and thinking about cases like the entity case and a lot of poltergeist cases involve children. 
And mm-hmm. I have to wonder if it, the poltergeist is potentially a manifestation of the children's unhappiness because it's usually, yeah. uh, you know, uh, families with lower income, uh, mm-hmm. stress at home, parents fight a lot. At least the, the, mm-hmm. the cases that I've looked at have been fairly consistent with that. I mean, there's always the oddball. But I have to wonder if it isn't maybe a similar thing with the children where they're manifesting the activity and because there's no one there throwing things around, the Mm -hmm. natural response is it's a poltergeist. It's a ghost. And it always does seem to coincide with an event that could be traumatizing to a Mm -hmm. child, like they're starting school or they're moving into a new home and have left all of their friends or, you know, their parents are separating. There, There always seems to be some event happening around the same time that the activity starts up I have noticed that and I hadn't I hadn't considered whether the energy was coming from within the person it's a really interesting perspective yeah I I, I just when when I look at the the consistency between the cases that I've read uh it's it's hard to come to another conclusion for me I mean there's always the chance that okay poltergeist will prey on that kind of energy and go hey here's a place where I can really twist them up and, uh-huh. uh, and I have to look at that as a possibility too. But again, it's, it's one of those things where how do you prove it that that's what it is? Right. I'm kind of wondering if you see, um, what is that? There's a series of movies about, and it follows these two investigators around um, uh, The Conjuring, The Conjuring, oh, yeah. mm-hmm. and how they're able to like find the demon and capture the demon that's causing the activity. Like what if the demon is actually the manifestation of the fear and the anxiety and the children who are experiencing the possession. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah and Lorraine Warren. Um, yeah. In fact, they have uh, in their little uh, storage area, they have the actual Annabelle doll, which was a Raggedy Ann, uh, Raggedy Ann doll that I had never seen before. It's got like a giant head compared to the proportion uh-huh. of the body. And it's really kind of freaky looking without thinking it's haunted. <laughs> You've seen it? Uh, not in person, but I've seen the the pictures of their uh, collection, uh-huh. and it's it's very impressive. But it's a really creepy looking doll, and I'm like, why would you make that? That's just bizarre. Uh-huh. But I will say, in in uh, in kudos to James Wan who directed The Conjuring, mm-hmm. I was at the uh, Warner Brothers uh, um, lot in L.A. and I went and did mm-hmm. the, uh, the the tour. And they take you around to different places. They show you cars that have been in movies. And then they take you to this costume mm-hmm. shop where, or a, 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 like a museum where they have some of the costumes and they have weapons and different things from the movies. And I walked mm-hmm. around this display case and they had the Annabelle doll from the movie. And huh. in broad daylight with 30 other people in the room, that is the creepiest thing I've seen in my life. Besides the, <laughs> well, besides the apparition, but... Um, they did such an amazing job on it that that, that uh-huh. even just being in a room and knowing, hey, it's in a glass case, this is fake, this is something that they made uh-huh. for a movie prop, is still just a creepy little thing. They did such an amazing job on that. That's so <laughs> that's so cool, and it makes me think of like, I wonder as a as a person who tried to master sewing when I was a little kid, and the like horrifying product of my sewing experiments was usually some sort of deformed stuffed animal or something. (laughs) If like, if like, um, Annabelle is really just like a person's sad, but best attempt at trying to make a a homemade raggedy Ann doll for somebody. And it ends up just being this horrifying object that terrorizes people (laughs) for generations to come, you know, (laughs) because I have a few, um, a few creepy stuffed animal. I, collected them for a while but I, I started collecting them because 
I tried to make a teddy bear when I was a little kid. I was sick, and I thought, I'll make a teddy bear out of some scraps of fabric and some buttons for eyes. And it was horrifying. It was just, like, this terrifying thing. And I had, like, this sort of soft spot in my heart for old, beaten-up, scary-looking toys. Because as an adult, it kind of reminds me of, like, my sad attempt at creating something. But um, I actually have this teddy bear. I'll send you a picture of it. I bought it at an animal hospital. Um, I'm, I'm sorry, a, a doll hospital, and um, it was just sitting in, in a display case all by itself, and it was missing an eye, and it was just so battered, and um, I talked to the lady behind the counter, and she's like, this has been here for years, and I've always wanted somebody to buy it, but no one's ever interested in it, and I was like, I want it, can I please take it home? She gave me a discount on it, and... Um, and where I see like this adorable thing that probably was really loved, like the Velveteen Rabbit or something, um, other people when they see it are like, "What is that creepy thing?" You know. <laughs> so it's like the Charlie but, um, Brown Christmas tree of, of stuffed animals. Yeah, yeah, I'll send you a picture of it and okay. see what kind of vibe you get off of it. But I had a dream. I've had this for a really long time. I don't remember when I bought it, but I do think it was like in the early two thousands. Um, and I had a dream just recently about it. It was a, it was just kind of randomly in a dream where um, a woman in the 1920s was hiding her jewelry and sewing it in the back of this doll to hide it from, I don't know, somebody, I don't know who, but I woke up in the morning and um, I look over and there's the bear looking at me, you know, and I kind of pick it up and squeeze it to see if there's anything (laughs) inside of it and turn it over and see that the whole back of the bear is hand-stitched. And maybe I'd noticed this before, but just not paid attention to it. And that's how come it appeared in the dream. Um, but now I just kind of, and there does feel like there's something hard inside of it, but it's, it's a really old doll. I think it was stuffed with um, sawdust. Oh, yeah. And they so used it's to do like that. hard and clumpy in mm-hmm. areas. Um, but part of me wonders if I should open it, but I don't think it would survive a surgery, you know, because mm-hmm. the fabric is so thin and worn, but I'm so curious. Is there something in there? Well, you could you could always take it uh, back to the to the place you got it because obviously they do mm-hmm. the repair work there and just see if they think uh-huh. it's possible. Yeah, well, in true horror form story, I did actually go back oh, you um, did? to the shop, and it's not there anymore. <sighs> as if that, it is as if it never existed. Like the storefront isn't there. Um, yeah, it's it's gone. That's like the classic monkey's paw tale. You know, you, you you go, I can't yeah. believe I bought this stupid thing, and you go back, and there's no shop, like, 10 seconds later. Yeah, the person's not there, and you're like, oh, crap. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't, I'm not, I don't get a creepy vibe off this bear, but I have sent pictures of it to people who um, who get those kinds of inc- inklings and vibes and psychic abilities and have had some feedback that it is not something they would have in their house. Really? <laughs> but, it, would be, it would be interesting to at least get like an x-ray of it or something that can, yeah. you know, because it could be, it could be that water got in it somehow and it, it hardened uh-huh. the sawdust into a lump, yep. maybe a bit of it. Uh-huh. Um, there's uh-huh. so many possibilities, but boy, that would be interesting yeah. to see for sure. And it's an interesting dream because your mind could have easily created a story to back up yep. why there's this lump in it. Um, but right. also, but who knows, maybe that was the lady reaching out to you to go, hey, there's something valuable inside that thing. Since you gave yeah. it to love, you're the one that deserves right. the, the treasure. So I, you kind of wonder, like, do you leave it a mystery or do you 
find somebody who has an x-ray machine and can look at it for you and tell you what's in there. <laughs> right, or find somebody who's really good with fabrics and, and would be able to assess whether you could uh, open it up and safely uh, re- you know, put it back together or not. Yeah. Oh, you're yep. going to have to let me know what happens if you ever do it, because I'm really curious now. And I want you to get the treasure. Like, I want there to be something really cool in there for you, because <laughs> all those people looked at it and didn't want it. And you're the one that, uh-huh. that cared. And, and you're like, I feel a connection and I want to take this home. And that's uh-huh. that's that would be like the a most amazing end to your story. Yeah, that would be pretty cool. There is part of me that wants to just sort of keep it a, a mystery and let that story kind of live. Yeah. But, and, and like once you try to get to the bottom of it you know you either find a treasure which would be awesome um or find nothing at all and then the story is over so i'm right now like kind of toiling over but leaning towards letting it just remain a mystery well it's like i said you have to be ready for the answer if you're going to ask the question exactly well while we wrap up here i i want to ask you Mm -hmm. uh since you brought this up i i meant to write this down but uh, what do you think? I've seen a lot of videos of uh, sort of haunted dolls, and I take every one of these videos I see with a grain of salt because I know uh-huh. from a filmmaker's perspective, I know how easy these things are to create. Uh, I think the mm-hmm. painting pictures are more interesting to me uh, when you see like things in a painting change. But what do you? What's what's your, what are your thoughts on like things like haunted dolls? I you know I don't know. Um, I think it's a, a, I don't have a whole, I don't invest a whole kind of thought into that, but I do, there is a piece of me that believes um, there, certain things can collect energy, like if something is loved for a while, um, I don't know, maybe the, similar to what you were um, saying you experienced with your sea monkeys or trees, that like there, there are these ex- exchanges of energies maybe maybe if something's very prized or if it has a lot of because you know I like to go to antique stores and pick up things and some things give some things have a weight to them when you touch them and other things do not um so you, I kind of wonder if like everything sort of holds the energy of the life that it's lived mm-hmm. um again not something I can prove it's just something that I do wonder about and do believe um just like when you can walk you can walk into a room and feel that there is a story there and you can walk into other rooms and you don't feel anything at all. Um, I don't know. So I don't know if things can be haunted, but I am a very superstitious person because yeah, I mean, I don't know if they can be haunted, but I can't prove that they can't be haunted. So, um, (laughs) um, there are certain objects that I am very superstitious with and will be very, very, very careful with. Um, like innately, that is just my response to those things. So Mm -hmm. I don't know if, um, I really can't say for sure, but I I, uh, I do believe things can maybe hold intense energies, whether it's profound love or was around for profound sorrow, and um, and again maybe they there is an exchange for some people, and like some people might be haunted by something, and other people don't feel anything when they are around this object. But I don't know. That's a really roundabout way of saying that I don't know, but I want to believe. I I can make a case for it in saying that if it's true that ghosts can Mm -hmm. move objects, you know, if they can throw things Mm -hmm. across the room or whatever, then that means that they can manipulate physical objects, right? Physical energy. Mm -hmm. And if that's the case, then I don't see why a doll would be any different. Uh, Mm -hmm. I think that they would be fairly simple because they're not complex machines. 
they're just mm-hmm. you know here's a plastic arm or a rubber arm some stuffing it would be i would imagine simpler to operate something like that than it would mm-hmm. be say you know something that's mechanical something that has a bigger weight to it so if they can do a then i think b is completely reasonable uh-huh i think that we because we tend to identify dolls as you know representations of human beings um, it's a little creepier or, or maybe a little more unsettling when it's because it seems like now it's a person versus something that's an entity that we can't really see. And then we feel like, well, th- it's inside of this doll. Uh, so the doll mm-hmm. is haunted where they may be moving it from the outside, manipulating it uh, and not right. like getting inside of it and going, OK, well, I'm just going to walk like I did when I was a human. I think that's mm-hmm. a little less likely. Yeah. You know, but if they were just playing yeah. with it, like the way a person would play with a doll where you put your hands on their wrists and you're moving their arms up and down or whatever, uh, then I could see it. I, I could see that as a completely reasonable thing if they have the ability mm-hmm. to manipulate physical objects. Uh-huh. I don't know. I think it's fascinating, but I think that the the connotation or at least the thing that goes into our minds immediately is that uh, the doll is now them. Like whoever's haunting it is inside, and if they're creeping out, that means they're looking at me through the eyes of the doll and that sort of thing. And um, right, it's, it's really no different than any other object at that point. It's just I think with the way that we identify with it. Uh huh. Yeah, I agree. I I think it's interesting how you have these like very well formed theories about this stuff, and I'm more of like I feel like a golden retriever really in most of my life, or just kind of like floppy bounce into a story and like oh this is so cool and <laughs> hooray and then like bounce out um but yeah. <laughs> I I I tend I think my my leaning is to sort of like I'm in love with the curiosity behind it and the mystery of it all yeah. and so I think that keeps me from trying to find answers whether it's like coming up with my own theory or researching and seeing what other people have to say like I try to keep away from investigating what other theories are about spaces that I've been in where there's a lot of paranormal activity or whatever because I kind of want it to be um, I, I want to approach it with no um, nothing no preconceptions and um, yeah I sort of if something is interesting I like to just leave it at, at the interest and feel like answers will be given to me should I prove myself worthy to have them or, um, you know, if it's time for me to know the things that I'm wondering about, the answers will be revealed somehow, like a kind of right. <laughs> sort yeah. of view I agree these with that. stories in that way. And so when I'm out here, like the few times I've gotten to ghost hunt and I'm asking everybody to hear their ghost stories, I think in a way I'm just sort of opening the door to allow that that mystery in and keep that curiosity alive and hoping that the answer will just kind of unfold before me. Um, yeah. But I think it's so awesome how you've, you've given me a lot to think about. You've put a ton of depth in your research, but I think it's also because you've had some very, very, very personal experiences with paranormal activity. Like your life has been touched in kind of profound ways that aren't very common for a lot of people. Right. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, you know, I think that that's a very fair way to look at things. The one suggestion that that I would have for you is thinking about how you closed yourself off when you asked to see your great grandma and and it kind of was Mm -hmm. too much for you at the time. Uh, Uh If you think that you're blocked, I would say maybe Mm -hmm. do the reversal of that. Maybe open up and say, I'm ready to receive experiences and information now. 
and maybe that will help remove a block if there is one only provided that you really are ready for that if you would rather right. live, um your experiences uh-huh. through other people's stories then uh-huh. obviously you're doing that so you're where you need to be but if you wanted to right. open that door uh that might be the way to do it that's a, a super profound suggestion because when you said that the arm hairs stood up on my arm the hair on my arm stood up like wow i can't imagine saying that out loud like i am ready to receive whatever it is you want to show me because to me that feels like you're opening yourself up to good and bad um like what if there's just this barrier of terrifying things out there and the only thing that's keeping them at bay is because you haven't given them permission to enter oh your right life you like, know like the demon that can't come into your house unless you invite it right in. yeah. the vampire can't come in until you invite them in kind of thing right um, yeah yeah, so when you said that, I was like, oh, gosh, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe there's a, a subtle level in between where you could say something yeah. like, uh, and I'm no expert on this. I mean, I'm just theorizing, but uh, maybe right. something like, if you have a message, I'm ready to hear it, as opposed uh-huh. to just saying, hey, I'm an open door now. Come on in. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I, I think I think that's a very good idea, and I think I have to like evaluate my bravery, which I didn't really think about until last night I felt pretty confident about listening to people's ghost stories and going into haunted spaces with the intent of finding something but I've always done this with groups of people and last night um, when I went to put the audio recorder in the green room I was by myself there was no one else in there and I pulled the curtain back and the room is just like inky dark black like so dark it looks like you could touch it like stick your hand into it you know and so I like I couldn't even walk into the room to turn the light on, so I just kind of reached my hand in and put the audio recorder on the first surface that I could find (laughs) and shut the curtain and got the hell out of there and was like, wow, I'm horrified. (laughs) (laughs) I can't be, I cannot do this. I I was so scared. I couldn't go back there again by myself. I went with somebody else. So there might be an element of like, I'm a chicken. I'm a huge chicken, and I'm walking into these like haunted spaces and inviting ghosts to make themselves known to me so I maybe have to do some evaluation there if there is such a thing as like something protecting you like spirit guides or guardian right. angels or whatever I would have to break down a certain layer of I would have to I, I would have to fortify my bravery right. as well as invite these things in I think and maybe that's something that you can do too maybe you can call to your guardian angels and, and invite mm-hmm. them to be there to protect you Uh, whatever makes you feel good if you're willing to ask that question. But what I find interesting is I think that you're braver than you are willing to admit to yourself because you still go on these (laughs) ghost hunts. You still put that recorder in that room. Uh, You, Mm -hmm. you've done the things that you're afraid of doing. And Uh I, I get that every time is a new time. It's a new experience. It's an unknown, which is the, which is what we fear. We fear the unknown. But Uh at the same point, I think when you look back at the things that you've actually done, you still did them and you did them in the face of fear. You still called out to your great grandma and uh, the experience uh-huh. was a little too much. So you put a blockade up and, and said no and ran out of the room. <laughs> but you still went into uh-huh. that room in the first place. And after that experience, you still have gone on ghost hunts. You still put the recorder in the green room. You've done a lot yeah. of stuff. And when you really look at it, it's amazing what you've mm-hmm. accomplished for something that you're so scared to do. Oh, I thank you. I like the way that you're looking at it because the way I'm looking at it is like, holy cow, I'm a total chicken. But <laughs> um, yeah, well, thank you. I am. I'm very motivated by curiosity mm-hmm. and and mysteries. So, I, 
definitely compelled to ask questions and go into those spaces and try to see what I can see, but it, it kind of seems like I'm doing it within, you know, a, a realm of where there's a little bit of a safety blanket. Right. Attached. Well, I don't think there's yeah. anything wrong with that because you're still putting yourself mm-hmm. in the way of having experiences. Um, but mm-hmm. another thing to think about, and this is just a, another philosophical angle, is that if mm-hmm. I'm right about the fact that so many of the things that we see are things that we create ourselves, uh-huh. if that's true, then it would perfectly explain why you're not having experiences. Hmm. And the people around you are. Uh-huh. Because you're not creating them. Mm-hmm. But equally, it could be that if you're not receptive, maybe the spirits are saying, you know what, she's not ready for us, so we're not gonna, we're not gonna play with her today. Uh-huh. And if yeah. she ever is, then we'll, then we'll hang out. You think they're being considerate? I would like to think yeah. they are, you know. But mm-hmm. uh, but <laughs> again, it's like all you can do is speculate. But uh, if you look at right. uh, you know, if you if you look at it either way, um, you're mm-hmm. you're not having the experiences right now. So if you want them, uh, maybe opening up yourself, and that would certainly not answer the question either way. Because right. if you if you open yourself up to it and you start having experiences, does that mean you're creating them, or are they like, hey, she yeah. wants to play now, let's go play with her? Right. It's yeah. How how can we possibly know? Do you do you ever think about like what you will do when you've moved on into the afterlife? Do you think is there anybody you'd want to haunt or any building or would you be like a prankster and like go into a bar and knock a glass off of a bar and leave laughing hysterically at how terrified <laughs> everybody was or you know like <laughs> I I am likely to do that. Uh you know it's it's interesting. I would think that when it's when my time here is done and I think mm-hmm. that will be when I think people die when they accomplish whatever it is that they've needed to accomplish. And that okay. could be for whatever reason. And there's a very interesting book by Dr. Michael Newton called Journey of Souls that I read years mm-hmm. ago. And I, I take everything that I read, everything that I watch or see or experience with a grain of salt. But things either resonate with me or they don't. And Mm -hmm. in this case, this book really resonated with me. What it is, is he was a past life regression therapist. And for those of you who don't know what a past life regression therapist does, they take you on a journey of your life from the time that you were born to the time that you died in a previous life. Well, what happened with him was he didn't detach when the person died and he followed them back to wherever they go after their death Mm -hmm. until they came back and were reincarnated into another life. Um, Mm -hmm. not speculating on whether reincarnation is true. There's certainly a lot of evidence to to say that it is or could be. Um, Mm -hmm. But uh, he did, he started, once he figured out how he did it, then he started doing case study after case study. And he would take these people and he would take from their, the end of their life, going back uh, to the point of origin and then coming back in the next life. And Mm -hmm. why it, it covered so many things like why children die when they haven't even had a chance in life. And it's all based on soul agreements and things to help people experience other things. Um, It's a completely Mm -hmm. different outlook from the other side. But taking it with a grain of salt, um, it certainly made me understand the things that we get caught up in, the things that upset us, the things that frustrate us, the things that make us lash out. None of it makes a damn bit of difference in the greater scheme of things. It's just what we're affected by in the moment. And Uh if this is true, then I would be, I think when, when I'm done here, I think I would be more anxious to just go, okay, that was fun. Let's go back and let's start whatever the next thing is going to be. 
Um, Mm -hmm. I don't really know. I think it's going to depend on my state of mind at the end, maybe, and how I die. But Uh I, I don't, I don't really envision sticking around. I think I'll be okay. Now, now let's just go to the next thing. What about you? Yeah. I have no idea. I do wonder about that. Like what kind of ghost am I going to be? Um, but there's so many, (laughs) there's so many things I don't know. Like, I don't know if reincarnation is a thing. I don't know if I'll just be born again and I won't remember any of this and I won't get a chance to haunt anybody because I'll be living my next life. Mm -hmm. Or if we turn into a tree or if nothing happens or if we move on to another, um, one of the planets that we haven't found yet or, you know, there's so many things. But I do sometimes ask myself, I wonder what kind of work I'm going to be. Yeah. And I mean, is it going to be like we have to spend three weeks uh, like Patrick Swayze learning how to push a quarter down a subway car? Is it, you know, is (laughs) it? Yeah, exactly. Or is there something that we Mm -hmm. don't know yet that we need to experience or accomplish before we go back? If, if there is. Um, It's Mm -hmm. it's definitely fascinating. And just really quickly on the point of reincarnation, there are so many cases of people that remember so many specific things that they couldn't possibly know. Uh, right. I, I always think about the boy who could walk you through um, the the safety check on a World War II airplane. And the kid's like uh-huh. eight years old. You know, he wouldn't yeah. have ever had any way of knowing half of those things, let mm-hmm. alone being able, to, being able to regurgitate them with such confidence. And uh-huh. when I hear things like that, it, it, it's hard for me to come up with any other explanation other than the fact that, well, he had to have experienced this. This had to be... Because you're not going to mm-hmm. get that watching a movie or a television show or a documentary. It's, it, his his information was way too specific. Yeah, those are very compelling where, you know, they'll find a child who can speak a language from a country they've never been and can recount historical events that there's no way they could have known. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever had past life regression done? No, mm-hmm. I haven't. Um, mm-hmm. I I have a very busy brain. And I, mm-hmm. I'm, I find it very difficult to meditate, and I have not tried hypnosis for that very reason. Um, mm-hmm. I'm learning more how to center myself and, and stay in a more, like, a, a, have the ability to calm my mind when I need to. So I'm just starting to get to that point. I would like mm-hmm. to do that at some point. And I know that, I think it was D. Wallace has a, a seminar or program or something that, that dealt uh-huh. into that. So I would be interested oh, cool. to take that, but I'm not quite there yet. Uh huh. Have you? Yeah, I hope you do it. Definitely let me know if you do. Oh, for sure. I did. I did inadvertently. I went to see a, a psychic on a whim with a friend. We were just walking by and we saw a little sign. Ooh, let's go do this. And um, I went in and found out that that is what she. That's how she is able to give you a psychic reading. Is she looks over your past life and um your past lives, and she. Um, told me that I was an animal in a past life and mm. it's weird how she, how she came to tell me that but she she first asked me was there a period in your life where you were quiet and um, when I was really little I stopped speaking for a couple of years I just stopped talking and wow. um, and it came from like I had a trauma, traumatic childhood mm-hmm. um, and I, I now as an adult think it was due to trauma Right. Um, but at the, but I also remember at the time just deciding that I didn't want to talk anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and she, the psychic knew this. She just kind of looked at me and she said, is there a time in your life when you went quiet? And this is not something I had told anybody at this point. Um, 
and I was just kind of like, whoa, yeah. And then she she knew a couple other things about my life, and she said, you used to be an animal, and I don't know what kind of animal you were, but I think that you lived in a tree. And then so, of course, I'm like, yes, I'm very connected to trees. I'm very connected to animals. I love birds, and you know. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it, it, that, that was super interesting to me where she said that she thinks that I had asked for the human experience and this is what I was given and I was given an experience that would entail all of the like the the trauma and the the heavy and the dark stuff and the happy stuff like a full experience of the emotional range that a life can give you that's fascinating because I've yeah. always everything I've read is to the belief that animal energy and uh, you know our energy is different but I, I've never understood why because energy is energy mm-hmm. right Hmm. That would certainly yeah. give us more well-rounded uh, views on things, though, if we experience life as, say, like an aggressive animal, like a tiger or a lion, and then we mm-hmm. uh, like learn a more docile animal life, like a giraffe. Uh-huh. Um, you know, that would really, I mean, imagine the things that you could learn from having all those different perspectives of life. Right. It, it, it's so interesting to think about. And she sort of gave me questions to ask myself and one of which was how do you respond when you are afraid and I go quiet if I'm you know ranging from anything from having to give like a public speaking event or something to um uh, I hear a scary sound at night or whatever I it's my first initial response is to go quiet like some people there's the fight or flee or um freeze and I'm the freezer so um right yeah <laughs> to, in, in just kind of asking these questions about yourself, how you instinctually respond to things can give you insight, what she was saying, in, insight into who your the origin of your energy was. And um, she said that that's very common in the animal world. Uh, many animals, when they become afraid, threatened in any way, they, they freeze. They become silent and quiet and freeze. Interesting. And still, and wait for the, the threat to pass, or some animals will, like, fight, you know, but... Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it just it's neat. So much neat stuff out there. So yeah. little to like fully understand. So many things to take in. Did she <laughs> say what kind of animal you were? Um, I kind of after she told. I don't know. Uh, she said she could not tell okay. what animal I was. She just knew that I was an animal, and she thinks that I lived in a tree. Um, she also told me I have two spirit guides that are fighting with each other, which I thought was very funny. <laughs> well, that helps. <laughs> I was like, that sounds pretty typical. And I asked her if they were okay. And like, are they okay? Were they punished? And that's why they got me? Or like, what? Uh, <laughs> um, and no. He was like, no, 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 no. They want spirit guides. Want to be spirit guides, but they just have different different opinions on what you should be doing with yourself. And right. <laughs> well, I guess that's sense. a good check and balance system, though, to have more than one because yeah. <laughs> you know, what are they basing their yeah. decisions on? If it becomes their right. own desires for you versus what's best for you, and then nobody's there to keep them uh-huh. in check. Yeah, but you uh-huh. know, it's it's interesting too because I look at how animals learn, how they learn, mm-hmm. uh, like take the hippopotamus and they have their own hierarchy, they have their own rules and ways of doing things and how do animals learn and understand that with the with mm-hmm. the brains that they have? And I now I'm starting to wonder, well, maybe there's a, a deeper brain within them that's uh, more human that allows them to learn at a different rate because it's not like you can say, okay, honey, uh, when you get older, you're going to want to challenge your dad and you're not going to be able to do that until, you know, I mean, how do they learn the hierarchy and what's right and wrong? Uh-huh. I mean, it's, that's always yeah. fascinated me when it comes to animals. So maybe there is a little mm-hmm. more to it. Yeah. I would like to know. So. 
Well, it has been so awesome to talk to you. I can't believe we've been talking for a couple of hours now. I know. It's been great to talk to you. Thank, Thank you, you for, yeah. for this. Now, uh, as we wrap up, you have a performance coming up in December. Tell us about that. Uh-huh. Well, the Luddites are going to have a show. That's my truth, the Luddites. We're going to have a show called The Odd Show at Lulu's Downstairs in Manitou on December 12th, I believe. Nice. And what what The Odd Show is, is um, our invitation to performers to come do something on stage that they had never done before. So musicians can't do music dancers cannot dance and so it's like your chance to do maybe i was inspired by hoping that someone had a secret talent that we didn't know about that could come on stage and just blow our minds with something that we had no idea they could do um but (laughs) but mostly it's just like a collection of um uh uniquely interesting sometimes somewhat uncomfortable experiences and it's just very odd and um yeah, so we're going to be having that in December. The last odd show, the Luddites formed a band called the Xylets, where we played a Simon and Garfunkel cover on xylophones, and wow. it was sort of a disaster, even though we had practiced. Uh-huh. Um, once we got on stage, it just fell apart entirely. Oh, no. Um, <laughs> but you tried it. But it was I still, love that. Like, we tried, and that is actually the vibe of the show. It's the it's like just you're it's totally safe. You're welcome to make whatever of an ass of yourself you wish it's knowing you're not going to be heckled it's totally fine to do something because you're encouraged not to rehearse it you know not to practice it like we kind of had to because we didn't know how to play the xylophone well yeah so we have to to teach ourselves yeah yeah (laughs) you know we kind of teach ourselves how to play the song but anyway um it's it's one of my most favorite shows to have because i see some of the best and worst stuff happen on stage that i've ever seen and it's my most favorite night that we do so that sounds like a lot of fun yeah i love when there's a safe environment for people to come up and experiment i kind of feel especially Uh like living in las vegas that the expectation here for our productions are that everything has to be perfect i paid a ridiculous amount of money to go see the show even when it Uh comes to you know our own uh smaller theaters and and dance groups i kind of feel like the expectation because it's las vegas is uh Uh this better be good and right. I, I like the idea of having venues where people who maybe don't come up on stage might take a chance and do something and yeah. maybe discover something about themselves or discover that they, they don't have to be afraid of doing it. Uh, that's uh-huh. great. I, I would encourage more of that for sure. Yeah, I love it. I, it's one of my most favorite shows that we have. So thank you for giving me a chance to talk about that. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I think it's great. And I'm very glad that you're uh, you're a part of it. Um, but man, oh, it's just you. been so much fun. The time has flown by. I've really uh-huh. had a great time talking to you. And I, I hope that uh, everyone has had a good time listening and learning about ghosts and ghost speculation. <laughs> I've had a great time too. Thank you so much. Thank you. So yeah, definitely come and see us again and keep us posted. If you ever, uh, if you ever go and do some of those things that you were talking about and find out about your bear, uh, I'd love to know what happens. I will definitely keep you posted. Well, thank you, my friend. You take care, and we'll talk soon. You too. (laughs) Bye-bye. Bye. Well, good luck sleeping now. Thank you guys so much. And uh, thanks to my guest, Yev Sturdivant, for uh, joining me for this marathon uh, on Halloween. Of course, we recorded it uh, the other day. 
But uh, yeah, it was a great conversation and uh, definitely a lot to think about. So, uh, you know, just keep keen to your senses, trust your intuition and uh, pay attention to what's going on around you. If you if you see something out of corner out of the corner of your eye, uh, maybe you did. Thank you guys again for joining me on this special Halloween episode. And we'll see you guys uh, back on Wednesday at 7 p.m. Pacific time, which is the new time for all Haskincast podcast episodes with the bonus episodes happening on random other days. Thank you guys. Take care and sweet dreams. 